0: and good evening (laughs) well it's another monday evening and that means the start of another week (laughs) and so i hope that your week is doing good you're listening to sunshine usa i'm warren landis your host and bible teacher here on sunshine usa and of course as you know the purpose of our get-together every evening is to study the word of god now i say every evening um, it depends on when you're listening to this program Some of you listen late at night, some of you listen in the daytime, or the morning, or the afternoon, and that's all fine, well and good. (laughs) We archive these programs so that you can listen at your convenience, anytime, day or night. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, let's get out our Bibles and turn in our Bibles to um, the Book of Romans, and... We're going to start Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, and (laughs) I guess we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject uh, tonight, and that is government, and uh, maybe a touch of politics. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't like to talk about politics. I mean, I really don't. I do everything I can to keep political matters out of this program. And the reason why is because I'm not interested in promoting any politician or any political party. I'm only interested in promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. But the Bible, it appears, does give us some information about how we are to conduct ourselves where the government is concerned. And so that's what we're going to be taking a look at on the program for today. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 13 verse 1, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which is from God. The authorities that exist have been appointed by God. Consequently, whoever resists authority is opposing what God has set into place, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. He says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will have his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not carry the sword in vain. He is God's servant, an agent of retribution to the wrong. Doing. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authority, not only to avoid punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you should pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who devote themselves to their work. Pay everyone what you owe him, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect, To whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Now, in these first seven verses, Paul gets, I guess, about as political as he ever gets. Like I say, I don't like to talk about politics. uh, Because to me, uh, Jesus Christ is not a matter of Republican versus Democrat, liberal versus conservative, or vice versa. Um, on this program, I'm here to preach the gospel and teach the Bible. And, And frankly, I'm going to do that no matter who is in office. Amen? Amen. And I'm sure the same is true in your country. You know, the Bible says that we must submit ourselves to governing authorities. Now, the only time that we have God's permission To disobey those in government is when they tell us to do something that is unscriptural or if they tell us to do something illegal or immoral now in those cases yes you would be able with God's permission to disobey those in leadership but other than that you must submit to governing authorities Paul makes it very clear in these verses that people who are in power have been allowed to come into that office for whatever reason. Now, it might be that God has allowed them to come to power so that they can punish God's people for disobedience. That may very well be the case. But nonetheless, we must show respect and submit ourselves to whoever is in power. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I get on a social media page like Facebook, and I see Christians saying terrible things about certain politicians, I think to myself, this is terrible. This is not biblical Christian behavior. We, as Christians, have to respect those in authority now if they tell us to do something ungodly if they are telling us to do um, the wrong things then yes but you know well for example during this pandemic this issue of wearing masks if the law in your particular city says you got to wear a mask guess what according to the word of god you got to wear a mask because there's nothing in the Bible about that we have to submit ourselves to the authorities that rule over our lives and like I say God has them in that position for a reason if the government says you need to get a vaccine get a vaccine now once in a while some people have legitimate allergy issues as to why they can't take a vaccine and that's a whole different story and I'm sure most governments would be allowed to give you an exception if that were the case but generally speaking when the government says we need everybody to go out and get a COVID-19 vaccination guess what you need to go out and get a COVID-19 vaccination you absolutely do because we are to have respect and submission for those in authority now let's uh, skip on down further to uh, verse uh, well let's before we get to verse 8 let's go to verse 7 now Paul only devotes a single verse to this but it's important he says pay everyone what you owe him. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Now, let me point out that in biblical times, they were just like we are. They hated paying taxes. And they did everything they could within the law to refrain from paying taxes. They hated paying taxes with the passion. That was true of their day, and it's true in our day. Now, in their day, they had even more reason than we do not to want to pay taxes. For example, when the Israelites paid taxes, guess where that tax money went to? It supported the Roman government that had dominion over them. Even though the government, the Roman government was generous in giving them a fair amount of, of um, self-rule the bottom line is they were still captives they were still subject to the rule of rome and knowing that their tax money went to support what they consider to be the corrupt roman government the fact of the matter is they had more reason than we do for not wanting to pay taxes i mean that, that that's just the way it was now here's the other thing (laughs) they even hated the tax collectors and once again in their case even more so here's why they hated the tax collectors you see Rome was pretty smart when it came to the subject of paying taxes they recruited certain men from among the Israelites to be in charge of collecting taxes That way, the Roman soldiers did not have to deal directly with the Israelites when it came to paying taxes. And, frankly, they avoided a lot of confrontation. So the taxes were paid to their fellow countrymen. Now, the problem is Rome didn't really pay these tax collectors a salary for what they did. Here's how the tax collectors got paid. My understanding is they got paid by whatever degree they could succeed in collecting more from you than what you actually owed. For Let's let's say that one of your fellow countrymen came to you and they said, okay, so-and-so, you owe $100 in taxes. You had to pay that amount or you went to jail but let's say your real tax bill bill was only $75 well when they collected that hundred they took $75 which was the tax you actually owed and the rest of that hundred went into their pockets that's how they got paid and sometimes the markup was even more than that sometimes you might be told you owed uh, $500 when really you only owed two or three hundred dollars the rest of it went to the tax collector and that's why people like Zacchaeus for example became filthy rich collecting taxes and that's also why Zacchaeus said when he got saved you know what i'm going to take all the money that i've ever dishonestly taken from someone and i'm going to repay it and i'm going to pay it two or three times over you see that's real repentance right there But it also shows the rather corrupt system they had in place. Uh, Because like I say, they had to charge a little extra, otherwise they wouldn't have got any pay at all. Now I'm convinced it was okay for them to get a little extra, but not a lot extra. That's where greed set in. And bearing in mind, these tax collectors had the authority to have you thrown in jail if you didn't pay up. If you didn't have the money that said, okay, I'm coming back tomorrow, and if you don't have the money tomorrow, I'm gonna haul you off to jail. See that's the kind of system they had back then. Now to be sure they had a court system and they had a system of appeals, but basically that's how the system worked. And usually you knew it was a lot less hassle to just pay the guy whatever they said you owed because life was going to be very difficult for you if you didn't now he shifts gears a little bit Paul does starting in verse 8 he says be indebted to no one except to one another in love for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law in other words you know when you truly love someone are you going to kill them no are you going to rob them no are you going to go after their wife and cheat on their spouse no are you going to be envious over what they've got no he said the commandments um, he says for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law the commandments do not commit adultery do not murder do not steal do not covet and other commandments are summed up in this one decree Love yourself, you love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now here, you know, <laughs> Paul has a rather interesting way of summing everything up. You know, if you love someone, you're not going to unfairly take advantage of them. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to kill them. You're not going to take their spouse. You're not going to lie about them. Not if you really love them. And so to love your neighbor as yourself, that is the ultimate fulfillment of the law right there. Now, Paul shifts gears again as we shift over to verse 11. And do this understanding the occasion the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed the night is nearly over the day has drawn near um now let me pause there just a moment um our salvation is nearer now than we ever dreamed possible Now, like I say, I'm currently 66, going on 67 years old. This coming August, August of 2021, I will be a grand total of 67 years old. Now, for you young people that are listening, I know what that means. (laughs) You think I'm an old fogey. (laughs) I'm an ancient man, and you're basically right. <laughs> but now others of you would say, well, you know, that's not too old, and and some of you that are 80 or 90 years old, you say, oh, you're still a youngster yet. But one thing about it, I'm closer to heaven now than I've ever been before. I'm closer now than ever before to the point where I get to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in person. I get reunited with all my saved loved ones which have come and gone on before. Amen. Now, he says, so let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. Now I want to draw a little bit of attention to that last sentence there where Paul says and make no provision for the desires of the flesh for example there are some of you listening to this program at one time you used to be an alcoholic you used to be a problem drinker and now you've gone we'll say several years without drinking I actually knew a man like that one time. He had gone, I think, 15 years without ever drinking any liquor or wine or beer or anything. But he said, let me tell you something. He said, it has not been easy. It's been a daily struggle. Amen. It's been anything but easy. But, he said, one way he does it, is by staying out of restaurants that serve alcohol you know you go into some restaurants they may not say bar on the outside but they sure got a bar on the inside and if you and if you go and order some food it's very easy to see lots of other people drinking and getting drunk and seemingly having a good time but of course you know deep down inside they're not having a good time. They'll pay a price for that later. But he's uh, one of the ways that he avoids temptation, like the temptation to drink. He stays away from places where alcohol is served. I remember one time I had a, a friend of mine who was a student at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And on Friday nights, a lot of us would go into the French Quarter to witness for the Lord and to share Jesus with those that were there. But now my friend, who lived in the same dorm I did, he would not go with us. And he said the reason he would not go with us is because he was saved out of that kind of a background. He spent a lot of time in bars and nightclubs and strip joints before he got saved. And so he said, now that I'm saved (coughs) and the Lord has delivered me from that sin. Had to drink some water there to water my throat down. (laughs) Some of you know what that's all about. But he said, I I stay out of the bars and nightclubs because I know if I go back into these bars and nightclubs, I'm going to want to drink. And so I don't go anywhere near where that's happening. And that's how you make no provision for the desires of the flesh. You keep yourself away from anybody or anything that's going to make it tempting for you to do what you know God has told you not to do. And instead we need to focus on the fact that the night is nearly over. The day has drawn near. You know, even though we're nearer than ever before to that grand and glorious day when the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth the fact of the matter is (laughs) we still have a lot of people to reach you know you look at the news every night on television you listen to the news on the radio you read the news in the newspaper and you know what you come away with the fact that um, we still have we still have an awful lot of unsaved ungodly people in this world and our desire as christians needs to be that we reach as many of these people as humanly possible with the gospel of our lord and savior jesus christ amen amen that pretty well takes care of Uh, Romans chapter 13 now we come to the law of liberty (laughs) the law of liberty (laughs) and uh, if I didn't step on your toes in the last chapter I guess I might in this chapter because we're talking about the law of liberty Paul says in Romans chapter 14 verse 1 accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on his opinion now let me say something in general judging other christians is something that we as christians do all too well and usually we do it very unfairly unfortunately when someone comes along and they don't do everything exactly like we do it we have a tendency to judge them rather harshly i saw a bumper sticker one time in a car It said, don't judge others just because they sin differently than you do. Don't judge others because they sin differently than you do. Paul says, we must accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on his opinions. For one person has faith to eat all things, while another who is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not belittle the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards a certain day above others, while someone else considers every day a Now, you know, we get into that controversy a lot today, especially where Sunday is concerned. Now, I'm aware of the fact that in the Old Testament, we read one of the commandments that says to remember <coughs> the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And in that day, the Israelites were not to do any work. And, of course, we have many people today that still take that commandment very seriously. Only today, uh, I would say most born-again Christians have a tendency to apply that to Sunday. Now, the problem is Sunday is not the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is still Saturday. So if I were dead set against doing work on the Sabbath, I would have to refrain from working on Saturday. And yet Sunday is when I go to church. And then we have the issue of what happens if you as a Christian have to work on Sunday. You know, I actually heard about one preacher who went out to eat after church on Sunday. He and his wife did. And they were waited on by a very enthusiastic waitress who was very helpful to bring them all the food they requested. But then the preacher really sort of put her down. He said, you realize it's a sin against God for you to be working on Sunday. Well, as you might expect, she took offense, and she said, well, Preacher, I have you know that if it weren't for people like you who eat out on Sunday, I wouldn't have to work on Sunday. Now, that brings up a very interesting point. If you believe that waiters and waitresses are sinning by working on Sunday, then it's also a sin for you to eat out on Sunday eat at home. Make your wife cook you a meal after church. (laughs) Oh boy! I can see it now. I can see the flying saucers already starting. (laughs) A lot of times the reason you read out on Sunday in all honesty, nobody wants to cook. I can understand that. but. Paul says it's not so much the day that's important but there's a bigger principle involved here for example Jesus said about the Sabbath day himself and bear in mind he was Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords you know what he said he said man was not made for the Sabbath in other words the Sabbath day law was not made just so that man would have another law to obey rather jesus said the sabbath was made for man's benefit you see these bodies that the lord has given us they are designed so that you and i need more rest than you can imagine Well, we we really need at least eight hours of sleep a night on average. Now, if you're getting seven hours of sleep a night, that's probably going to be enough. If you're getting less than five hours of sleep, you're probably not getting enough sleep. But our bodies are also designed so that they need one day a week to rest and relax. You know, if you work, 10 to 12 hours a day seven days a week it's going to take a toll on your body and you'll find yourself having to retire sooner than you thought because your body is simply going to wear out i've known some preachers in my lifetime who never allowed themselves to take a day off and many of those preachers you know what happened to them they ended up dying prematurely That was not a good situation for them to fall into. Paul says in verse 5 here, One person regards a certain day above others while someone else considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes a special day does so to the Lord, and he who eats does so to the Lord. And he who gives thanks to God and he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and return to life that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead he says why then do you judge your brother or why do you belittle your brother for we will all stand before God's judgment seat it is written as surely as I live says the Lord every knee will bow before me every tongue will confess so then each of us will give an account of himself before God Now, you know, the sad thing here is the Bible teaches us that the day is coming when every man is going to bow their knees before God and they're going to confess that Jesus Christ is God. But you know what? The sad thing is if that happens in eternity, it's too late. You have to make that declaration now before it's too late. And then we have verse 13. Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Here Paul addresses the law of love. He said, therefore, let us stop judging one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. I am convinced and fully persuaded in the Lord that Jesus... in in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself. But if one regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed by what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Now let's talk about this for a moment now here's the deal <laughs> Paul says that he himself for example saw nothing wrong with me be- eating meat now back in Paul's day the big issue was this as a Christian should I or should I not eat meat that had been offered idols Now here's what happened as a general rule as a general rule what happened was um, people would offer meat to idols, the meat would be burned on the fire, in other words, in essence, it would be cooked, and then the meat would be set aside where it would be collected and sold in the stores. Now, should you eat that meat knowing that it was cooked because it was offered as an offering to some idol. Paul said, I'll be honest with you, I don't see a thing wrong with that. Because he said, you know, the idols are just that. They're idols. They're false gods. There's only one true and living God, and that's who we serve as Christians. So, if you wanted to pile all kinds of meat on Paul's plate, he was only too happy to eat it. But, he says, don't be a stumbling block. Don't allow yourself to become a stumbling block for other people. Don't allow yourself to become a stumbling block to other people. You know, if you have a neighbor that sees you eat a lot, don't let them seeing you eat meat if they think eating meat is wrong. Don't allow yourself to be a stumbling block. Take where they're at spiritually into consideration. Now, it might be, and here's something you ought to think about. It might be your neighbor thinks the way they do because they're spiritually weak. They don't really yet fully understand what the Word of God says. Now, maybe that should be a signal or clue to you that you need to go ahead and teach them the word of God yourself as best you can amen now let's go on to verse 16 do not allow what you consider good then to be spoken of as evil for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking but of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit for for whosoever Serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to let his eating be a stumbling block. Now, <laughs> I have to do a little bit of confessing here. If you saw my latest picture, you know what your thinking would probably be? Your thinking would probably be Warren, you are fat. And yeah, you're probably right. I'm probably fat. Sometimes I feel like telling people thin might be in, but fat's where it's at. But in reality, If people see that as me not sufficiently taking care of my body which the Bible says is the temple of the Holy Spirit then I feel compelled to do a better job of eating a better diet and overall taking better care of my body now I will say in recent weeks I have made more of an effort to um, go ahead and um, try to eat better i mean uh the other night for example i fixed myself the best salad you ever saw i got me some fried fried chicken uh, uh, strips i I say it was fried chicken but i don't fry chicken i bake chicken now sometimes it's the kind of situation where it looks fried but it's actually baked or i nuke it in the microwave oven amen And then I take that chicken once it's cooked, and then I chop it up into bite-sized pieces, and then I put that in the salad. And then, of course, I get my salad dressing and the tomatoes and the olives and other stuff that I put in there. And boy, I tell you, it tastes pretty good. And I'm actually eating something that's pretty decent for me. At least better than some of the other stuff I've been eating. Now, tonight for supper, for example, I had a pretty nice uh, chicken salad sandwich. And I have to say, you know, it was pretty good. You know? (laughs) Uh, Get me some chicken salad. And this is more of a gourmet type chicken salad. It's very wholesome, very good. And I put the chicken salad on one side of the bread. And then I take a little bit of mayo... Now, living where I do, I buy Duke's mayonnaise, and I take some of that. And I spread that Duke mayonnaise onto the bread. And then I put some olives in it. If you want to and got some, you can put some pickles in it. And all of a sudden, you know what? You've got a pretty good sandwich. Amen. Amen. So I'm trying to eat better. A little bit at a time and try and eat better. Okay. Now, Paul says, let us pursue what leads to peace and mutual edification. And we've read that. And he said, do not do anything to cause your brother to stumble. Keep your belief about such matters between yourself and God. Now, a lot of times when you see somebody doing some little something that you don't personally think they ought to be doing, but it's no big deal, then I say, hey, don't make a big deal out of it. You know? For example, if someone gets saved on Friday night, and I see them smoking a cigarette on Saturday morning, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. For one thing, I know that Christ brings change in our life, but sometimes those changes are gradual and not instant. They are not instantly going to be living on the same level spiritually that you are. It's going to take them a while to get there. Paul says blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves but the one who doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating is not from faith and everything that is not from faith is sin and that I believe brings us to the end of Romans chapter 14. So in the time allotted tonight we have actually covered a couple of very important uh, chapters in the book of Romans. Now as I've said before in the book of Romans what we have here is very deep stuff. Amen? I mean like I say I don't know that I would recommend that someone who has gotten saved just for the first time read the book of Romans because it's pretty deep I mean just like you wouldn't take a a brand new baby just home from the hospital and start feeding them steak you're going to have to give them formula then they're going to work their way up to, to baby food And then softer foods. That's how it works. Amen? Amen. They're not going to be able to eat the same way you eat for a while. So just uh, keep that in mind. That's why I don't recommend Romans for younger Christians. I recommend it to those who are ready for full-fledged spiritual meat. Amen? Amen. And uh, we'll pick up there where we left off this time. Now, I want to come to you letting you know we're going to pray for any needs that you have. Um, I pray for every need, whether we share it on the radio or not. Sometimes a lot of people will share prayer requests with me, and then they'll say, Warren, I prefer that you not read that on the radio. And in those cases, I can assure you, that your request will be honored. It won't be read on the radio. But now, some of you say, I don't mind if you do share this on the radio. And that's really a good thing, because to me, I find it very comforting to know that prayer requests are being shared with God all over America. Prayer requests are being shared with God. They're even being shared with Christians all over the world. And when you have a problem or an issue, and you know that Christians all over the world are praying for you, man, I tell you, that's got to bless the socks off of you. I know it does me. So if you have a prayer request or a Bible study question, I've got two email addresses. You can reach me pretty easily at either one. The first one is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And I would love very much for you to contact me at one of those two email addresses. So that would be great. Amen? Amen. Well, let's just uh, praise the Lord for the time we've had together tonight. And guess what? I'll see you tomorrow night or the next time we get together, which will probably be tomorrow night. as we study more in the Word of God. Until then, God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.